This is Sean from Weather. You're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio. another leper fucking edition of the misery point radio show as always i am truly humbled and honored that you would take the time out of your propaganda driven lives and drop even more iq points by joining me here in the wasteland on my perpetual journey to purge the airwaves of all that doth suck and while i can't promise that you'll ever again regain what's been lost of your rapidly dwindling mental capacity i can at least offer you some solace in the fact that apparently logic reason common sense, good taste, and other indicators of high intelligence are not required to function in today's society. On a brighter note, today's guests finally joined me live in studio after I was first introduced to them a few years back. As part of the new generation of Seattle area metal, these guys bring a level of aggression and raw brutality that hasn't been prevalent in this area, at least on this level, in quite some time. I am, of course, referring to the black and melodic death metal outfit known as Wither. Comprised of metal veterans, Wither has been around for quite some time, and with a powerful new lineup and a new album just around the corner, they are ready to impregnate the scene with their new breed of epic metal. It was awesome to chat with the band about their current lineup and how they arrived at it, the challenges they faced over the last few years, the process of recording their upcoming album, the evolution of their sound, their thoughts on the Seattle metal scene, what's on the immediate horizon, and of course the other random shit you all know I love to talk about. Yes, it's true. I do love a good rabbit hole. I love to go down the rabbit holes with the guests, and I promise you there's plenty of that here today. I am fucking stoked to finally be able to have this experience and to share it with you, the fellow faithful but brainwashed wastelanders. So, finish chugging down that C-section slurpee, rinse out that scorched breath, and prepare to impregnate your hate. Check it out. Sean, Eric, Steve, Adam, otherwise known as Wither, welcome to the show. I am ridiculously excited and honored to have you here at long last. Thanks for making the journey from Parts Unknown. Thank you for having us. (laughs) You know, uh, before we get rolling into all of this, because we've got the whole band here, which is kind of a rarity. We don't get an opportunity to have that that often. I'm going to have you guys each introduce yourself so the listeners can uh, know who's talking and tell us kind of who you are and what you do in the band. Sean, we'll start with you. My name is Sean. Uh, I play guitar. Um, I founded the project in 2010. Hey, my name's Adam. I uh, do guitars and vocals and work with Sean to do the, the synths and the songs. Yeah, America, the bass player, just getting to learn these guys' routine and doing my thing and just sitting there being sexy that's all it is <laughs> i'm steve i play drums yeah in this project you play drums <laughs> so uh you know it's really funny because um i think i was talking to you guys before uh, eric and steve showed up but steve first told me about this project god it's got to be three years ago dude it's at least three years ago and you know keep your eyes and ears peeled i'm in this new project it's gonna be awesome always teasing me with the i can't really talk about it there's stuff coming up but you know you don't know what it is just yet and so over the last couple of years we have uh kind of 
talked about having you guys here and talked about the the possibility of all this cool stuff you have. And so now the day is, is finally here. You got a new album getting ready to drop. You're reactivated after kind of a couple of years of inactivity, which we'll dig into. So I, I guess this has just been kind of a, a long time coming and a huge fucking cock tease from Steve just kind of uh, talking about this. So, uh, so very, very, very cool. Uh, I think probably the the first thing I thought of was as I started doing my homework and and digging into kind of the band as I've really noticed kind of an evolution of the sound from kind of its inception. So, Sean, you know, you kind of started the project, as you said, back in 2010 or so. So kind of give us a little bit of the history. You know, what were you thinking when you started it? What did you want it to be when you got it going? Well, I was like traveling a lot for work at the time. Um, and kind of took a hiatus from music after I had like played in a band in Whidbey Island where I used to live and then just decided to start like writing songs kind of yeah kind of took a year and just kind of start simple ideas and then started getting into a lot of like it was around 2010 so a lot of like the home recording stuff and programming drums and kind of started that whole composing thing journey i guess if you will and then and it just kind of kept going from there it was just uh, me for a while then i met another singer who's not with us anymore but and then on down uh, we released hell's hollows and then um and right after right when we released it i ran into adam at pride parade um and he was playing the children of bodum lick and i'm like oh no way that's a bodum lick and then, <laughs> I shared a joint and then I gave him my number and then like uh, didn't think anything of it because that happens all the time. And at four in the morning, he's like, fuck yeah, let's jam. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I was I moved to Seattle in like 2014 and uh, I tried doing Craigslist and meeting people online and it just didn't work out. So uh, I met this bucket drummer that played in Cap Hill. He told me to come down with anything that made noise. So I brought a guitar and we bust out and kept bust down in Cap Hill for maybe like five, six months. And I was just taking phone numbers of anyone that said they had something going on musically. There were a lot of talkers and there were a lot of people who said they had shit, but no one really panned out. And then, yeah, I was busking during Pride. It was like midnight or one in the morning or something. The drummer took a break. I was like, oh, I'll play some metal. No one's going to like it, but it's going to happen. <laughs> were you busking metal or were you doing like acoustic stuff at that point? No, I had an electric guitar and then the drummer had bucket drums. And we were both um, really hard up for money. I think he was like sleeping in Cal Anderson Park at the time. And I had just moved to Seattle. And so we were just playing what we thought people wanted to hear, right? We just needed to make money, like pay for foods, like that kind of thing. And so, yeah, when he was taking a break, I was like, fuck it, I'll play what I actually want to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then met Sean that night. And, yeah. and traditional uh, starving artist busking for food in Seattle. And of course, the, the the brutal irony of that is you can't afford food in Seattle because it's ridiculously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, oh, I made $300 today. I can get a burrito at the Pike Place Market for $300. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and then so... Somewhere along the way, you encountered these guys who, who of course, play in 50 other bands uh, together. So I, yeah, <laughs> this is, so I met these guys. Uh, so forever, like I said, uh, Wither was just a me and another dude. It was never a live project. He had a, uh, he could play piano. So we did a bunch of acoustic stuff and play it around open mics. We ran, 
met these guys, Ron, this guy Ron at this open mic. And then he asked me, hey, can you pl- come jam with kind of an arena rock band? Was it Gold Leaders or whatever? Gold. Yeah, Gold Leader. Yeah, yeah. And then so I go to the, I go to the drum studio and then uh, that's where I met these two guys. And uh, yeah, and then ever since I've always been interested in play, playing music with them with this project. But this is like, well, like probably seven years ago. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's how I met them. It was it was like it wasn't until like five years later we actually started playing with their music with them. So does that line up with what you guys remember? Well, that's essentially how we met Sean through Ron at the time. Ron was the keyboard player in Fever One Hundred Three. Oh, okay. And he's the one that had the side project. And uh, or the project, and he brought Sean in, and then that's when Sean was going, um, doing all the traveling that he was doing for his work. So he was gone a lot, and then I think Eric wasn't there the night. I think Sean, we had another rehearsal. I don't know what it was. You came down and he played uh, Hollows for 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 me, and then I was in another pro- project that was just finishing up the Janitors of Chaos and. Mm. and all that but sean was looking for a drummer at the time and i was like yeah this is pretty cool stuff you know i was like you know and i think you guys already had a bass player and then you had that the the last drummer you had i think came into play daryl we took daryl daryl then then daryl joined yeah i think i think daryl was the one that was kind of like kept us tied in with you yeah you know yeah he was doing so so daryl daryl was our drummer at the time for uh the foreigner tribute and and come to find out daryl was you, you talk about me being in like 900 projects daryl <laughs> daryl would say no wouldn't say no to nobody yeah. so he was basically just widening himself out so next thing you know i get a call from sean uh was about maybe a year or so later mm-hmm. and and i hadn't met adam yet and it was since I already knew Sean and then Sean's like, Hey, would you be interested in doing uh, the next demo for the wither stuff? So he gave, he, you know, he gives me the scorched breath track, the rough track. And I was like, fuck, this is, <laughs> this is, this is killer. And at the time I was living with Eric, my, you know, my wife and I, and so Eric is hearing it and he's like, wow, this is, this is, this is cool, man. This is heavy. So I worked on that tune for a while, you know, and just tried to get all the parts down. And then next thing you know, I think you guys, we were getting prepared. And at the time they had Gabe Tat, is it Tatchel? Tatchel, yeah. Yeah, as a vocalist, killer guy. Mm -hmm. So we did the demo anyways at his place. And of course he was still considerably the vocalist of the band. So he had a studio. So we did the four song demo. Yeah. You know, uh, out four songs out of the record that that is now on. You know, <clears throat> anyways, um, yeah. What we just kind of well, yeah. Then like I think then what was it? This kind of audio. Pa- well, that was during like uh, then the p- pandemic started hitting. Uh, I, I think, but that was like kind of audio. Okay, see you guys around. Good luck to you, kind of thing. Yeah, we, yeah. Like, we hired him. We hired him to do the demo. Uh, the um that demo. And then um, 
just to get our foot in the door with Steve, to be honest. <laughs> and, 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 and they already uh, had nicely, me, nicely done. They already had me sold on, <laughs> on the whole thing. So, so the, the long story short, it was like maybe a year, a year goes by and we're right around in 21, 2021. And then him and I are in another project called new box zero with, uh, with um, Jamie, with Jamie. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and Stefan Olson that plays guitar. Well, we did the drum tracking for a couple of tracks on that. So I go to these guys, and of course, I, now I've met Adam, and I go, "You guys got to check out these drum tracks. They're they're ridiculous." Don Don's come a long ways with the whole recording that type of music. So Sean's like, "Yeah, we got to get a meeting going with this dude." But before all that happened, Sean's like, "Hey," and Adam both they're like, "Do you want to do? Do you want to do a whole record?" So that's what turned the demo into doing a whole full length they wanted to do, do, do an entire full length record yeah we spelled out like five songs during the when they locked the actual did the lockdown mm-hmm. sounds cliche because like everybody but i don't know that's just yeah but yeah. yeah i mean that was a big turning point in how we write the songs too because at that point gabe had started a family and i said i could do this live but i don't know if, or i could do this on a recording but i don't know if i could play it live we're like, well, it should make sense. Whoever's on the album does the stuff. So I was like, I can probably work. Like, I did some backing vocals in another band. And I was like, I can just commit to like, you know, we got some time. Let's just do that. You know, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, there are some different vocalists and there's some different vocal styles going on there. So you kind of just took on vocals just due to circumstance, just things kind of going down a certain way. And you're like, I guess I could fucking do this. Yeah, I think Sean mentioned like Peter Tagger and Hypocrisy. Like, there's a lot of guys that just took it on because they're fucking sick of looking for new vocalists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was that was definitely it. But when it came to writing the songs, that was the first time Sean and I. Usually, we'd write guitar parts for the songs and then kind of like incrementally make drums, bass, yeah. kind of fill in the gaps with vocals and keys. But this is the first time like it all was happening at the same time in the same place. Yeah. And you know, uh, Steve and Eric, I mean, you guys ha- have a long history together. Um, I, you guys played both in Immemorium. I don't know if you played together in Immemorium or oh, yeah. if you were, yeah. you know, just there at different times. Um, well, yeah, but of not, course, not, not in the earlier days, but like, uh, like during, well, the- him and I have been in and out of bands forever. And, and, and after doing the plan of like going in and doing the full length and, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let, let's, let's do it. And, and I just kind of went, what do you, what do you think about Eric? And then Sean talking to just Sean, he's like, yeah, no brainer there. Like a fucking no. twofer, man. Fuck oh, yeah. Twofer. <laughs> you know? So, but it just made it for me. It's like, it made it not, I don't want to sound like, like really shitty about this but like it did make it easy yeah because him and i have been playing for so long and i think sean was just like more like well i already know i have like the team the rhythmic team right there already because we've already been playing for so long we've already jammed yeah yeah. we're already doing it so it made it just made it sense but i just want to say hey you guys down you know yeah well and i also i mean i i like i mean i like both you guys the first time i met you you know really First, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. He's, Believe it or not, definitely. <laughs> no, it was this. So like, I we was had like, to pay when, him though. So when the option that Eric, uh, you know, and it was kind of like when our bass player was done, I was kind of like, think, okay, cool. I mean, he was, and he was good too. Like, it was, we didn't part ways, and he did well. But I was excited about the proposition of like getting <laughs> Eric on board too. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, obviously, Steve, your history, for instance, with like Faustus, of course, which I remember back in the day because I was blown away by that. And Eric, you play in one of my favorite bands of all time with the legendary Coven, of course, Coven 6669 now. But so all of you guys together have just a pretty, pretty epic, you know, metal pedigree. Um, I, I really uh, wanted to ask you, number one, about the the origin of the name and the crazy spelling was this just so just so that uh you know it didn't get confused with something else yeah well there's part there? of it that and then like also like i, I, I don't know i guess I, I like the looks of the the straight the letters they all straight look you know like how they look visually and then um, yeah it's like a death metal logo you can actually fucking read yeah yeah right. but you can't pronounce but <laughs> <laughs> but uh which, you know, I've had some, like, you know, um, like sometimes, uh, but yeah, I've moved on. It's, we've had it for so long now, but there's nothing like, it's not like a super deep meaning. It's just, you know, yeah. like the name Wither and then um, the spelling. And then it's also the domain name's really cheap. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, it was funny though, because when these guys came to us, when we, I think it was right when we record, after we just got done doing the recording they actually were really thinking about just changing it, mm. you know, changing the name. Yeah, we did go through of, that discussion. Of a fresh lineup, fresh music. Mm. It's a, going a little bit more of a different direction of what they were playing before. And my, they asked us, or they, you guys asked me, and I said, no, I think you guys should do because you guys already had a built-in fan base. The fact that you're coming out with somebody something new, yeah, you guys yeah. are still have the core. The core is still here. Yeah, so yeah. It needs that you guys should stick with it. Yeah, and we're yeah. I mean, I, th I like. I think it looks. It's a rad looking logo. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's already something. Even though we they had the hiatus for a while, people know. Yeah. You know, it's already. It was already a, a brand that was built already, so it made sense. You know, I mean, Hemsa did the same thing. You know, they completely went a 360 degree turn in their music they were went from the hardcore sound to right the very more, straight more, more, edge more the north norwegian or swedish type metal you know or the arch enemy ish kind of stuff which blew me away so yeah. you know and so then what's up with your um you guys have this really cool logo that you've so, had so for that a while. was developed uh for my original singer's husband he was a did he liked to mess around with graphic design and we just had this projector plastered on the wall and he was just kind of we were just tinkering around with the the little t in wither the original logo it's been altered a little bit since then but then came up with that like i logo thing yeah and then yeah and it, it kind of has the symbols of like the four elements and and um kind of i don't know okay yeah, yeah. Th that that's what i was curious about is is there a tie-in to that somewhere where, or is it just more like yeah these well i always thought of like uh like the law you know like like the i guess my first thought is like the law of entropy you know things um go from order to disorder like naturally you know so i guess that's like the, the original thought but like that i never really thought really deep 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 into it or anything or not really trying to convey like so it's not like a, I think it's like more, a paganism anything. I think no, I mean there's a little bit of I mean a little bit for, you know from the inspirations from like some of the pagan metal I guess mm. you know. I think it's too it's the image man like you just got you're saying about how you described the the, the actual logo itself because a, a lot of logos that are, are more attractive to to visually look how they how they look mm -hmm. more than like 
do they have to mean anything? It's like a fucking tattoo. Does yeah. a tattoo have to mean anything? I hate when people are like, well, what does it mean? What is it? it means I went to get a fucking tattoo. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's on my bar. I drank a bottle of tequila yeah. and decided it would okay. be a great idea. So you idea. gotta be careful, though. Like, some kanjis <laughs> don't really mean what they actually mean. Yeah. <laughs> Rule number one in tattooing, don't get a tattoo in a foreign language. Exactly. Unless you speak that language. And I, just, and I wanted a circular-shaped <laughs> emblem for the band, too. So that, you know, to, as a, another way of branding as well. Oh, right on. Okay. So kind of, we touched on it a little bit then. So, so you guys have been around for a while and then, and I don't know if it was specifically COVID related, but there was a point where, you know, as I was doing some work, you guys literally just went radio silent for like two years. And I don't know if that just was coincidentally when COVID hit or, and there, or there was nothing going on or were you planning kind of something and you just wanted to stay silent until things kind of hit again so yeah that was like right when the singer change happened okay and so we did the demo and i remember we recorded the drums for steve at don's studio and i think while we were taking a break and you know between tracks i asked steve and don i was like look i think my voice in these demos kind of sucks like how do, I, how, how do i make it suck less <laughs> high standards you got there <laughs> yeah and they gave me a vocal coach and so during that time uh i was taking like really really diving into vocal lessons and then every stage like once sean had the guitars and bass mixed i literally taught myself how to sing while i was recording the record so i i have no experience huh. outside of that i recorded Irony. it in my basement and that's why it took forever it was because like in the beginning i was good for like 15 minutes and I blow out my voice and I had to wait three more days. Oh, yeah. And then so like eventually it got to sucking less. So. <laughs> and now you can go 17 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> no, but I think the part of the radio silence too is um, uh, what's actually was specifically talked about between me and Adam because it was like, well, should we be posting? Because I think I brought, should we be posting stuff, staying engaged? And he brought up a good point. He's like, if you got nothing to post, don't post it. So it's like, and then I've also like run into a trap where you like, you come up with a new riff and then suddenly like, new album coming and it never comes, you know? So it's almost like a stupid jinx. So like, I also like said, okay, let's not post anything about the album until everything's done. <laughs> so yeah, that was the other thing. It's like, there was a learning curve of like, we wanted lyric videos, we wanted a music video. Yeah. All that shit's so new to us. To Sean and I, and just like putting those pieces together, like finding a look, it took us six, seven months to find a location during COVID. Like mm. just things that seem like you could take for granted just took forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, it, it is funny because this kind of ties into something else I want to talk about. So, one of the last posts that I saw was a RIP Alexi Leho post. So clearly the, the, the children of Bodom influence is, is pretty strong with you guys. And the first thing I thought of when I heard you was not necessarily that you guys were, th that was the first thing that popped. In fact, the first thing I thought of was at the gates, I was listening to Slaughter of the Soul and I noticed you're wearing the hat today, which is really it's funny. Weird. I don't, I actually I don't listen. I haven't listened to this. Is given to me. Yeah. All my friends love At the Gates. I yeah. never really. Bodum was my big thing. And then At the Gates, I've never listened to a lot of that. Yeah. All. There's just that. It's like your sound to me when I hear it has kind of tinges of the Scandinavian sound, um, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of. 
But then also, you know, you've got kind of more of the just the the modern, you know, U.S. sound, which I am also a huge fan of. But it's just there's so many different parts to it. But, you know, when I started looking at you guys, everybody's like, oh, yeah, they they, they love children. They love, you know, Alexi Leo. So how, how much of an influence was Alexi on, on kind of your sound and, and what you guys well, wanted to do? For me personally, like it was a bit like, you know, uh, for me, like I w- learned of them when I was late in college and i was like you know i'd already played a lot of guitar heavily in the metal but like I, listening to that follow the reaper album really like told me like like i was like dang i don't really know anything about music yeah like just the basics of music so but i knew how to memorize riffs at that point and so like that the hearing that record really like kind of like caused me to strip everything down just kind of like take piano lessons like learn music and com- that kind of thing and i think that was the biggest impact it had on me yeah, for me, I mean, like so many people, it's just fun music, right? Like you can just, you can engage with it or you can kind of just have it on the background, but it gave me that sense of urgency or that sense of life, so. Yeah. Yeah, I also got like a little bit of, because uh, I'm like a big Black Dahlia fan. I don't know if you guys like Black Dahlia, but I, I hear bits and pieces of kind of that sound that comes through. Very, what I like about, um, and we'll talk about, you know, your new album here in just a few minutes, but really about your, your sound is there's a huge level of dynamic, like it's massively thrashy, super in your face, really intense. And then you might have songs that, you know, pull back the tempo and then you have some almost doom riffs that are really junk, 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 really just kind of chuggy and slow. Um, so dynamics for me, uh, as somebody that used to call myself a musician, I have always been a huge fan of. So I, I, I noticed those things though with, with the amount of, of dynamics. And that's kind of, I think where I, I see more of kind of the American influence start to pop through versus the old school Scandinavian stuff, which is just really, 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 really fast. And, and children was, was a pretty fast, intense band all the way through. Yeah. I've always been I like this. I like the slower mid tempo, uh, moody, um, I always get kind of fatigued at like extreme metal shows where it's just like two forty blast up the whole the, the whole ten songs. It's like after you, know, you just start to kind of get a blur, and I don't know. It's and it's also like a, a like uh, doing that. I guess it stretches your like uh, palette for like writing music. Like if you're always writing one style, you really I like I like trying to you know um, they say oh I can write a simple two riff song that's catchy as well as you know i like having that wider range it's more satisfying you know sure yeah i think i think right around the time we started writing together a lot too we were going to like a lot of these like underground techno parties that were like these long form eight nine twelve hour parties and like you play the same shit it's going to get tired so like they curate these different elements of the night you know and I feel like we've had these conversations after those shows of like, whoa, that big shift in energy, tempo, texture, like how, how, you know, there, there's elements we can do with that in metal. So a lot of that like weird X factor stuff in the writing might just be like going to these other like non-metal events and just being like, whoa, there's options out there that like could be explored here through the metal we already know and love. Yeah. And, you know, for you, for you guys, Eric and Steve, I mean, I, I, of course, am very familiar with, uh, with the memoriam from back in the day. And that was a pretty black metal influenced band, lots of blast beats, lots of fast stuff. And so what's it like for you guys kind of stepping back into, you know, a, a project like Wither that, that takes some of those influences, 
um, you know, but also it introduces probably a little bit more dynamic than maybe some of those bands you guys played with in the past. Right. Um, it's actually, it's funny because you don't realize if you don't play it constantly or be a part of it in a constant basis that you actually do fall backwards. Yeah. And, um, you know, being my, my old school influences being like Steve Harris, right. Things like that is, you know, the, the technique and style that he plays with his fingers and so on and so forth. It always kept me energized, you know, to be able to keep my, my chops up as much as I can. And after a memoriam, you know, uh, phased away, it was for me, it was like, what am I going to do? You know, am I just going to, you know, go join some, you know, thrash speed metal band that probably just to keep my chops up or should I just branch out learn other styles, learn other ideas and so on and so forth, you know? So I chose that path, not intentionally, it just kind of happened that way. Sure. But I was craving, you know, craving the ability to get back into the, you know, put, push myself to the limit, you know? And when these, when these guys stepped in and said, you know, you know, play some bass, you know, and, and working with Sean, you know, it's been, it's been like a learning process, you know, and it's been a very good learning process because his idealism is something that I create, uh, crave as a bass player, you know, because my bass playing is always influenced by follow the drummer or try to play like Steve Harris, you know, one or the other. <laughs> and with, you know, with Sean, you know, working with him in the studio was like, you know, it was actually nice to be able to collaborate, you know, back and forth on like, try this, let's try this, you know, the different ideas and so on and so forth. So it actually kind of expanded the horizon. But in, in a lot of what I wanted to do is to get back to playing at my, my most potential, because, you know, when you, as I said, when you, when you step out of it, you fall backwards. And, and if you don't stay forward, you're never going to be able to achieve it, you know? So being in this project really helped me out to get back to where I want to be and actually express what I want to do, you know? And, uh, so that's helped me out musically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you and Steve, uh, both obviously uh, other projects that are, are non-metal projects. Correct. So, you know, and, and your brain has to go to different places, not just from a technical standpoint right. of I have to get in the zone to do well, that. But to add note to that is that like when you, when you go to different areas like that, it gives you that opportunity to like say, okay, I can actually play a style that I actually ignored and hated you know, because it was like, it wasn't in my realm. But then when you start playing, you're like, this can actually benefit me yeah. into the area that I want to be in, you know? So it's like, whoever thought about fucking playing jazz bass in a thrash metal or a death metal band, you know, you can do that. Yeah. You know, you just got to learn how to do jazz first. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how the process goes. You well, know? you know, Atheist, one of my favorite bands back in the day, they were, they were kind of known to kind of bring the jazz elements into the metal. And I, I've always really been a huge fan of them for that so i i, I do I, I like the fact that you guys have a, a varied uh, a, a varied background but also varied experience and of course steve same for you 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 play yeah. in multiple you know different kinds of bands so what's this experience been like for you so far well believe it or not before the whole wither thing and all that um i took a break from the metal yeah. and i took a break from it while i was teaching at the school right. um I just, I couldn't even listen to it. I, it got on my nerves. Um, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. And even though Eric was like, wow, you know, I don't know what he was thinking, but he was like, yeah, I just was just tired of it. And you have, as a drummer, you have all that still the memory of whether you want to call it technique or whatnot, 
So getting back into it, I had enough of that built in. It was more of like just working, working out the parts, getting back into it, you know, slowly but surely. And then, uh, you know, it was more like, you know, I miss the big kit. I, I was starting to get, <laughs> I would go into, I would go into the, you know, the, the phases in and out. Like I'd grow the kid up, you know. And they got I'd stories tear, with that. I tear, yeah, I tear it down, and then I'd quit, and then you know, blah blah blah, and I got bored. But for me, I think what sparked for me was when we did, when Sean finally kind of gave me that demo. Sean Adam gave me that demo. I was like, all right, yeah, let let us see, let's see if I can I can do it. I mean, the older you get, you know, you take a like eric was talking about you kind of fall three steps back but um initially yeah it was tough it was tough for me you know with, with trying to get back into the whole thing but i had to you know well you touched on it a little bit because you had um, introduced me to the janitors of chaos which right. you were involved in and so was that kind of a bridge you were doing that and it wasn't long before then you started to get introduced to this so you were kind of already on that trajectory yeah, I mean, with the janitors, because I I love all kinds of music, and you know that from us growing up, yeah. right? And and I wasn't closed off to to a lot of things where I was just like primarily set on that one type of thing, that one type of music. But of course, I've always been a metalhead, no matter what. Yeah. And what I added that element, I guess, in that type of band, you know, with the trio thing and the more of the progressive side of stuff. Yeah. And that was incredibly tough for me to go in and record that kind of thing. But I also got to the point where I was starting to think like, that's why what really attracted me about Sean when he is talking, when we were talking, like, he's like, I'm into writing songs. I don't care about playing 5,000 beats per minute. And you know, it goes nowhere. So you could tell that in the writing. And that's how it exactly was for me. I wanted to write, a, if it was metal, I wanted to write a good metal song. Whether, you know, even though I, we, Eric and I didn't have any participate, participation in the writing because they already had everything pretty much created. So we just kind of came in. And of course, with these guys, um, they let us have room with it once we came in, you know, hey, you know, try this, try that, blah, 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 you know, which was great, you know. So we had the open minus. But the fact that going back to the whole thing about the, the whole, like, their perception of how they go about writing that type of music mm. was what caught me for the most part you know it's like wow these songs are really well crafted they're really good they're catchy i can see something going with this you know and it had nothing to do with like oh we're going to be the next biggest thing it's just more like oh i really want to be a part of this you know as far as that goes but it took me a while to get back in back into it like full frontal you know it's a fucking tough deal i mean even new boxes kicking my ass you know and, and all that stuff like, but i like the like so like this for how hard he says it was the very first time we ever jammed <laughs> the nine songs on this record the like, very first time we met to jam these like we played all the way through them perfectly yeah <laughs> yeah it, like, it may have i think we, him and i were screwing up but he was just like <laughs> like wait a minute steve's being modest yeah. <laughs> no like the first time we yeah. ever jammed with steve like it was like front to back all the songs done but like he he'd, he'd learn but then after that that's when he started like trying things of course but like and, and then like putting his his flavor in it but like i've never been in a situation where we met 
up with a drummer and just blasted through all the songs well, the first time. Well, through. also the fact that uh, <laughs> right. you, you know you have the the ignorance of musicians that have always been there as far as or the ego, and what I've never understood about it was that somebody would go in and say, you know, hey, you know, the guitar player would tell the drummer, hey, try this, no, do this, and then they get all mad and go, you're not going to tell me how to play it. Right. I mean, I'm all about like, is this a collaborative effort? Of like, I'm I I love it the fact that you know a singer can say hey have you ever tried this halftime thing I mean we were in projects Eric and I was like the singer was like you ever tried a halftime thing on that part and I was like I was mad because I didn't I didn't come up with that but I was like <laughs> that's like that just literally upped the song just that much you know so the fact that that whole thing of the work this this works I mean it's been working with the relationship that we've had with these guys it hasn't been that long. You know, so it, it just kind of, it kind of just happened, you know. The openness is there. I remember the first time I like sang and played at the same time in a rehearsal. I got through a few songs and Steve was like, one day you're not going to look like a tomato can after singing two songs, dude. <laughs> well, well like, I'll tell you a little backstory about that. Well, so when Adam was turning like a beat, you know, at, 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 at the rehearsals, right? But he was doing it and he was killing it. So he goes to Karen Carr, right? Susan Carr. Susan Carr, which trained like everybody, right? And he came up to me because he was asking me about because you know being me being a vocalist now Steve's and all good. that. Steve's really good for and, those. Just I've heard him once or twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. incredible. And so, anyways, he came back and I was like, it was like just effortless. And he was like, it just two. What you took two lessons with her, and you were like. Two years of lessons, but yeah, now two <laughs> one, years. One, one but no, but year. at that point, yeah, like two. But or you three. only did two. But you're like, I'm already that, changing the way I'm singing. It's like unbelievable on how much that is made that improvement of that. Oh, short she time. cracked the whip, dude. Yeah. So, so there you go. I mean, it, it like, and you you hear him on the on that record, and it's like the first thing out of everybody's mouth really is besides the music is like, I I've gotten like five impressions of or impressions of people, and they're like. How the fuck does that guy sing like that? Do the vocals <laughs> like that? That's fucking crazy. Well, you I'm know, like, so it's yeah. it's funny because I, I did want to ask you about that. Anytime there's in any band, the one position that has the highest visibility when there's a change is when there's a vocalist change, right? So you're coming into a project and you guys have kind of, I'm not going to say a new sound, but you you guys have just progressed over the last, you know, what, 12, 13 years. And so going back and listening to say some videos that I saw that were early videos, you know, like there's, there's one that's up there on YouTube where you guys are at the home studio and that vocal style was really more traditional death. I'd say mm -hmm. kind of had like mm -hmm. an Amon Amarth vibe. That was a first it. singer, uh, Jaron. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who's a, a great singer. I mm -hmm. mean, very powerful vocals. And if I remember correctly, maybe like trained in some opera, opera kind mm -hmm. of stuff like that. So how did you feel kind of, you know, you, you took this on, like, I'm going to go ahead and do this, but was there any, did you feel any extra pressure? Like I, I have to kind of take this on or I, I, I can't do it like this. I want to do it like that. How, how did you approach the whole vocal thing? I was super lucky that Susan was a big advocate of like, every time I was like, uh, I'm doing this because I like this element of their song. She's like, nicked it in the butt. She's like, no, fuck that. Like you, your voice. Like, yeah. And so when people are like, oh, there's elements of blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, those are the dudes I like grew up singing in the car. Like when I drove from point A to point B. <laughs> okay. For sure. Everyone has that. Sure. 
but then eventually it was like really she never taught me anything about metal it's all been opera and like like getting into character okay so you just whatever you know if you write the lyrics for a song or sean and i always had like a maybe a perspective like a mind perspective or a story that we were trying to tell mm-hmm. so if you just get into that story like the rest kind of just does itself yeah yeah and and i i definitely notice it like it's really funny when you see people in person so uh what i thought when i saw uh, you know uh, the video, for instance, for Scorch Breath, it's a really cool aesthetic kind of a look to it. It's kind of this really cool, very dark thematic thing. And, you know, it's like people look different on camera than they do in person. And then when I saw you for the first time, I was like, God, that vocal came out of you. Like so powerful, you know, it's just like it's just so so obviously those those vocal coachings you've had have really kind of opened up, I think, the power element as well as the dynamic element. Yeah, yeah, I think it's played a huge part getting and getting comfortable with that, like where you can place it, what kind of story you're trying to tell, what character you want to be. And do you approach it that way? I mean, do you do you look at songs as stories and then the vocalist is a character in those songs? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it has to be. Like, I we've tried doing, like, you know, if we jam at home and do covers or something, if someone asks me, like, hey, learn this song and, like, I read the lyrics and I can't get into character, I'm like... I mean, I, I could, but it just won't be good. It's a very film approach. It's like a method actor, but you're vocalizing it. Yeah, but I feel like everyone's got to go to that place in their head when they play, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Like, if you're not there, what are you doing? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So then let's talk about Impregnate Your Hate, right? This is, number one, that is a fucking badass name. Um, so um, is there a story behind that? Is that, is that like some drunk shenanigans at night and you're just trying to rhyme shit or, you know, <laughs> it was a, it was a, I was working every time I, uh, come up with like new, a new song idea or I'm working on like, oh, like, oh, I got a cool idea pop up. I, I need to save it and remember it. And I can't just say new song. Cause that, if I do that, then I won't remember what's what. So like, yeah, or just you could think, have 50 new songs. <clears throat> exactly. Right? And then, so I just, the first, usually I'll just pick the first words that pop in my head and impregnate my hate was a working title actually. And then uh, it just stuck. So yeah, we're going through all the songs and we're like, which one has the biggest impression? And it's just like, that's just like, yeah, it's uh. so I, I've heard it. I've, I've heard the, the album at this point and it's uh, God damn it. It's, it's fucking great. Cause I, you know, I, I'm an old school metal guy and I really like it, but it's, as we touched on earlier, it's aggressive. It's dynamic. It's got fast. It's got slow. It's got Scandinavian influence. It's got American influence. Let's talk about the use of synths. Clearly this is a, a sonic signature that you guys are committed to. Um, why is that element important to you? Uh, well, for me, like I've always liked this, like symphonic movie scores and that kind of thing, and and even like before, like so we did uh, when I did Hell's Hollows, I tried to strip it back. Actually, the EP we did was really stripped back on keys. Um, but um, like I always like envision like writing and like uh, think of orchestral arranging, you know, and like the layers and stuff and um i don't know and that's i just like use the keys to kind of like simulate like for me like i like do like or like on the imminence or one of our slower tracks it's mm-hmm. very like the and i kind of just recently kind of got back into like the symphonic uh orchestral uh having orchestral elements for like slower songs especially just you know, i don't know i like that 
Sure. You know. It gives it kind of that folk metal kind of vibe. I'm a huge fan of, say, for instance, Amorphous. Mm-hmm. Um, old Amorphous, one of my favorite bands of all time. And I just really like the fact that the way that you all use the synths, it, it, it's it's very, it's an accent, but it's not like the main thing. So it, it creates a situation in each song where it's kind of like another element to a story. It's not just like, for instance, I like Nocturnus a lot too. I'm a big Nocturnus fan, but they went really crazy on those keyboards back in the day where it was like so much happening. It was taking away from everything. So your placement of where they are in the songs to me is fantastic because you've got these really fast parts and then it'll pull it back. And then you've got this really melodic synth element to it. So I assume that that's by design for those reasons. And a lot of exactly. those, yeah, Adam could talk. So I could do a lot of like arranging, like the orchestral, like kind of arranging those sounds. And then like, and then he, he really developed, like we had talked about like developing kind of one main kind of tone, kind of like how we have a guitar tone, you have a guitar tone. And then it's really, and he was like really worked hard on that. Yeah, I dove into like a little bit of sound design, but I think the the main driver of all of that was like, you know, we have the drums are hitting, the bass is hitting, guitars are kind of binary, they're on or they're off, they're in your face or they're just not happening. Yeah. So the the synths was a big opportunity for dynamics and time and space, and there's a lot of stereo movement and intentional uh, softness or hardness there that like I thought was a element that could be explored in a metal landscape. Yeah, right on. Well, we're going to take ourselves a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into the machine that is Wither. In the meantime, here's a face-melting track from their upcoming album, Impregnate My Hate. This one's called Scorpions of Sinai. Watch out for sneaky lepers. I'm not even 
I think that the the mix on this album I really like because each instrument stands out and you know bass wise especially like it, there is just this presence on the bass in this that that really is it's not buried in the mix which sadly happens quite a lot for good reasons you know because nobody likes bass players but uh, yeah well you know <laughs> we'll sign a contract for a hundred dollars yeah there you go yeah <laughs> um but yeah I, I you know and i feel like the drums are I, the the drum mix is awesome of course um but i i just i i feel like that the mix is for for a metal album which if i'm going to be honest a lot of metal albums they they're not always mixed well and, and there's kind of two two trains of thought on that you know number one for the metal purists is especially like for instance black metal or extreme metal i just want it as raw as possible to get the feeling out but i don't necessarily care about the fidelity right so that that's one school the other school is i like a good production value i like a good amount of headroom i want to hear all the instruments because i want to be able to tribute each individual performer on the album I tend to fall into that category because I, I appreciate everybody's performances. And I mean, I like a, a decent listening experience. So who mixed this album? Sean. That's what I Sean thought. Sean's the winner here. Yeah, right so, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So fucking props, brother, because this album sounds phenomenal. What, what was your approach to that? How did you go about handling all that? Uh, well, I, one thing I've, should have done was hire a secretary to manage all the files <laughs> no but um it was a start well i mean i always start with the drums you know and kind of get like well the, uh, this one i mean the snare you know is always you gotta have a good snare sound <laughs> you know, that's, man, with any genre it doesn't yeah. matter what genre it is like this i feel like the snare is the rug that ties the room together you know so there's that and he brought i mean Steve brought in a freaking howitzer of a freaking snare, so that helped. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then, and the reason that like the bass, uh, so for like the arranging, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff where like the guitars are repeating, and the the band really does lean pretty heavily on the bass to carry out like chord progressions and like keys that we're in. You know what I mean? So like, uh, needs to be, for, in my opinion, needs to be heard. So yeah, um, but yeah, it was just once I went to his house, tracked his bass lines as he was learning and then and then just from there and then tracked and he tracked his vocals and then the keys and then all the and then i end up getting all the files and then and then start 
Were you guys ever in the rooms together all at <coughs> once doing during the recording process, or did you? Uh, kind of for fucking... tracking the drums, we were all. Or were you there? Yeah, we were all there, right? No, no, no. You there. weren't there. Me, Adam, and Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a four day just uh, grind. You know, just grinding it out. There was some funny, exact funny moments in that recording because for me recording is still a green thing for me i really have a hard time in the studio and we went and tracked with don gunn that i've known for a long time and he's great great engineer he knows what he's doing he's come and that's what turned the whole turning point as far as going there and have these guys having a meeting with them and sitting down besides me being there so when we did the tracking there was like where we do the breaks and it was i'll never forget that day i think when we went to the store of the road right off aurora and i ended up getting some kind of sandwich or something like that and it was right before we were going to record scorpions which is the fastest track on the whole record (laughs) and so don's looking at me these guys were like you ready yeah let's do it (laughs) let's just hold breath let's go 240 BPM. I didn't. I was like, yeah, this is fucking ridiculous, man. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was a hoot, man. But yeah, the mixing, like, so for for me personally, like, you know, it's, I started out with programmed drums, which you take perfect drums and you try to fuck them up to make them sound like you make a human. them sound like real drums, so yeah. make them sound like a human. So that's Hell's Hollow is all programmed drums, which I put mistakes in on purpose, and then the and then then they go from mixing real drums, it's a, a kind of a different. A completely different approach and uh and then i've always you know a huge, huge inspiration like from anti andy snapes and his style i like really like his like drum sounds you know so yeah like that live keeping it lively and we actually yeah i mean he had a room mic that we used and it just yeah the tracks we got from don's really kind of got well, the process going yeah and also it it also helps in the band when you actually have somebody that knows that already uh, how to mix at least mix, and that's what we even we started hitting Sean better watch out because he's probably going to start getting more work as the yeah, right? time goes on because <laughs> he did he mixed some of the stuff for the new box man that with the demos and fuck they they sounded insanely killer you know just the fact that you know he knows he's got that ear for that so it really uh, helps yeah. Well, so the you guys have released two singles then in advance of the album launch, which is coming out here on uh, on May twenty sixth, just a couple of weeks away. So, what was the the idea behind those two particular singles? One, uh, Scorpions, is obviously just fucking kicks you in the nuts as soon as you start that song. And then you've got Scorch Breath, which is a little bit, I'm not going to say subdued because it's also a pretty brutal song, but they're two completely different sonic signatures for those. So was that the idea that you wanted to release two singles that kind of showcase two different styles of songs you had on there? Or was it just a random selection? I think Scorch Breath we picked because that was like the first song where we all were like, oh shit, maybe we have something. Like, okay, maybe we should all try doing this. Like, maybe it's worth doing. So a kind of a personal a vibe to that one yeah it was the one that like kicked off the whole album we were all like oh yeah let's let's do this for sure there's always that song that just kind of gives you i feel like you can't if you want to finish an album, people are always like i want to do an album it's like well if you can't do an album unless you have vision you have to have the vision for the album without the vision for the album it just all falls apart and from my experience it's always been like a song that just kind of kicks it off like okay here we go you know so that was the song yeah, yeah. and uh you know uh, 
Scorpions, obviously, uh, you know, I did a little bit of homework on that and uh, the Roald Dahl story I went through and I I, I read that. And <laughs> so, uh, by the way, shout out to my good friend, Mr. Uh, John Asher, who I, I have been friends with for a while now. And he, he happened to send me a promo of you guys like after I had already started the ball rolling on this, but I was reading a press release and it's just like, just go read this story. Just go read this. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I, I want to say that first story in there is it's called, uh, what is it called? Uh, the visitor, the visitor. Yeah. And, and it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty messed up story. Um, but so what, what were you just, number one is whose idea was it and who was the fan of of the short stories and things like that is that you oh yeah Adam? for sure yeah that goes back to the character yeah you know that was uh, yeah it's just a fun story to read it's like oh, i can make this metal oh yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a metal and uh for all of you out there we'll we'll post a link to it uh in the sh- in the show notes but you need you need to go check this out so um, you know, it, it, I, I do, I do think that as I'm listening to this, you know, I, I think your vocal style kind of in a way reminds me of one of my favorite vocalists who's Chuck Schuldiner from death, whose vocals are very intelligible. And I, I find that your vocals are also intelligible, even though you hit all of those, those areas between like the really kind of high creatory screams to some of the kind of lower, more guttural stuff. But I feel like each song on this album tells a story, yet the album in and of itself is not really a concept album. So do you guys approach these songs really from a an epic storytelling kind of a fashion? It starts with what kind of Steve mentioned earlier, like just songs, right? Right. And then the lyrics sort of like complement the music and try to tell something. Yeah. yeah. So there's no cohesive pattern or or, or no. theme that you're going for necessarily. No, like I think like it kind of really the, everything kind of reflects like every song we write. It's like its own kind of some songs come out in two nights some or, you know, one night. And some songs take like two years to like finish out the the song. They're all like unique uh, storylines. Uh, but like I've always like try myself like for me personally like i never like store riff, like i never like have riffs that don't work and keep them i don't i don't like you don't store them in the vault like right now i have zero them. riffs that are stored they're either being used for another composition or i'm composing and if they don't work i just ditch them because like why would i like rehash a riff that didn't work you know okay for a song so yeah so we just always start fresh from like one idea and we just try to go from there you know? well run, run it red was almost yeah, I don't know. If, correct me if I'm wrong. It almost didn't really make it really all the way because Sean was really not digging it in the beginning, and then he brought it in. Well, I wasn't. It wasn't. I was like, I don't know if this worked because I felt and, like this is. And too- when you played it for me, I was like, damn, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. we got to do something with this. Yeah, that mean, one, that one took two. Like, I was done with the demo, everything uh, like, in two nights. It's one know? of my favorite songs. Then the that. next night, he sent me the lyrics, and, like, oh. and then we, yeah, we got together and we made the ending modulate up and then add the third thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it was that it thing even that much like, better. So that too, song, that song is like probably our simplest you know, uh, as far as that. like there's really only like one riff and a bridge, you know, in that song. It, but like, and I like those too. Like, if, I think actually the because metal, I think you're just naturally just more technical. Anyways, it's just like a 
the default. So it's like, I feel like in this genre, like if you like try to open your mind to doing things that are like easy because they sound good versus like technicals because, and it makes you feel like you're impressing people. That's never the case. I don't know. Like that's kind of been my, where I'm me, I'm at like just, um, or I find most fulfilling is like, oh, dang, I just took three notes and made it like so amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, stripping things down to the bare essentials, you know, really. I've seen a lot of bands out there that play really, 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 really technical stuff and they don't necessarily do it super well. And then you go and you see a band that has like five chords in an entire song and they just tight, just tight nailed all the way down. And that's what gets people going, right? They're just like, they got that groove. They got their head start banging. And, you know, all of a sudden, boom, they change the tempo in the song and things just go fucking crazy. So I, I am a huge fan of some of those simpler elements in songs and mm-hmm. then hitting somebody in the face with the change kind of out of the mm-hmm. blue, which mm-hmm. you guys do quite a bit of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I, I, I find that to be just really, really endearing for, for my personal listening taste. I think that's nice. awesome. So let's talk a little bit then about kind of your sound because I do like how you don't sound like sonically like a lot of the other metal bands out there. I think like you're really well-rounded. The drums have a very definitive sound. The bass has a very thick sound to it. The guitars sit really nicely in the mix. So let's talk about the gear that you guys were using during the recording process. I'd really like to know how you guys got that guitar sound. Uh, Well, I... Uh, I run a like an old VHT. It's basically Alexi's rack rig. Okay. I've always liked this tone. It's very mid rangey. Yeah, very, very mids, and it's easy to mix. And, it and, cuts. It cuts through exactly. Yeah. So. so that's my my setup. And and then and then what's yours? Yeah, I'm running a Angle E530 into a TC Electronics like G Major Two. Which shout out that's like one of the only units that has a ducking delay on it. That's yeah. why like everyone uses it for live stuff. And then uh into a Mesa fifty fifty uh amp, uh V thirties and a Mesa cab. Nice. But I but we we actually uh I have a torpedo um uh reamp uh box that's a also um uh an attenuator, which I so we just like mic we didn't have to mic our cabs. We just went DIs. We went DIs with the tubes and then uh, cab sim. And that's kind of how we got our tone. It worked out really well with recording with like stage volume, tube amps at zero volume <laughs> in my apartment. <laughs> so that's why the attenuators are a thing of beauty. Oh, man, that was awesome. And yeah, and yeah, so I can record, we could record whenever. Yeah. And, not, and, yeah, and get really solid tone. So that's kind of how. And then I play in a. Yeah, I was played the uh, yeah, Edwards Alexi guitar, and then I had a Frankenstein guitar that I kind of got together over the pandemic that I use, but it's uh basically made to look like Rupe's guitar. It's a random, it's a random star body off of a Charvel, mated with a Japanese Jackson neck, and threw like gold hardware Floyd on it, and I just put a basic bitch JB in there, and the JB tracked and complemented Sean's tone really well. Oh. We were thinking about changing it, but we were like, "Fuck it, fuck it, good. yeah, why? why? That's amazing." So, whatever. And yeah. what about you? I I know you were showing us some pictures of some new stuff you got, but I'm sure that's not what you recorded with. Uh, well, yeah, for the bass, I mean, I ran through a Kemper, but uh, the uh, bass tone I mostly stuck with is a Dark Glass. Okay, man, Dark, dark Glass is everywhere right now. We that's... did a we did a uh, the raw the DI from the Kemper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did a um, we ran um, 
the Kemper with the uh, dark glass, and we ran a uh, uh, DI with just a clean bass tone, and he was able to actually double track the bass. And I'm not sure what you did for the. Uh, no, and then I the, so I I usually have three separate tracks for bass guitar that kind of tackles the different um, tones that I want okay. from the bass. So you get the kind of the Jenga Jenga vibe. <laughs> so that's got that I was really kind of lean on the Kemper on that one. The the body you're gonna get from the DI, and then I usually like to put like a mid mid rangey uh, distortion, which sounds like ass by itself, but it's all together. Kind of that's how I, and then they sum down, and I get that like. See, I need to profile that whole tone right there. You just yeah. talked about, so I gotta have it in one patch. Yeah, you know. You well, mix. no, here's a problem. Here's a problem <laughs> with that though, because like, so you get the easy mix patches, and let's say you're mixing a whole other. Hold on, you got your drum mix and blah, blah, blah. And then you slap in that patch and it doesn't ever work. It's because those patches are made for different, everything different. Right. So like the drums sounded probably different and it worked for those, but it's not going to work for you. But like, yeah. So that, yeah, separate. That's, that's the way, I think that's the way most people do it. But the majority of your bass tones, you play relatively clean, but you just have a really thick sound. I mean, you don't really do a lot of distortion on your bass. From no, it's, it's buried. It's to keep like the, helps keep that the levelness of the bass you know and and it actually kind of probably the distortion of the bass probably is actually adding more to our guitars you yeah. know than anything yeah it's just well a lot a lot of it what i do too is that uh, I, I rely a lot on active pickups as mm. well so i can at least have that that punch you know what i mean with the um the warwick five string that i played in this project okay has that has that punch that uh, that kind of gives it gives it that amplitude to what it needs but um, like my my go get bass is a four string Charvel that I put in EMG is in EMG's in a long time ago, and it naturally has that that dark glass tone that comes out of it. So no matter what amp I play through, it just has it. Yeah. But you know, playing the um, the five string Warwick with these guys through the Kemper, you know, I'm able to simulate that sound. But what he what he taught me was running a separate DI to be able to actually you know play with that that barrier. Well, because you're going to have, like, a, a higher frequency with the bass that you want mm. and a lower, you know, the low mids and your mids. If you, st It's hard to dial all those areas in one track, and so that's why I split yeah. them. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Made it fucking exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, Steve, what did you decide on for the final recording kit? I know that you probably agonized over all, well, how many elements you had to have on that thing. Well, first and foremost, I traded uh, companies I, that I went away from Sabian. The only reason, and I still like Sabian, but um, Heisty, you know, at one point I had played as far as the symbol of choices go so when i went there and going back to metal i you know i decided to do all the roots because they not only have vicious attack to them but they're extremely loud and they're great for this type of music it was the first time i ever i actually was able to go in and record with a full set of Pisces as far as that goes so i was pretty stoked about that the kit that i've been playing is i've, I've had it for 15 years it's just an all maple kit sonar kit and um that kit in itself um being it's a maple kit and then it was the first time i ever recorded uh with a 
the you know a different snare i used on the on the recording i used a a beach a thin beach shell that sonar makes and it's you know it's what's called an sq2 it's a big custom kind of made snare basically but it was a deeper snare this time around it was a 7.5 snare uh by 14 and that right there kind of surprised me too on how well that came out just the way it you know in the mix that it did um but overall you know i i here's what happened in the recording for me too as far as the drums were concerned i i don't i've never understood maybe it's a local thing but drummers will not have a tendency of like not only not really paying too much attention on the tuning so they'll crank <laughs> they'll crank their snares to the timbali to 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 act as if like they need a, a more of a crackier rim shot sound that loud i'm not into doing that i like a snare to sound like a snare drum not not a timbali cracky you know garbage can sound snare <laughs> Tell so, us what really so <laughs> it has a lot to do with the tuning and it has a lot to do with the choice of what heads you're you're going for so i i decided to go out on this run i decided to go with coated heads which were actually vintage imps which were a little thicker than i'm usually used to okay so and it actually worked it it, it took a long time to sit but for the most part that's what you hear on the recording as far as the the whole setup yeah what i used awesome no yeah. piccolo snares for you <laughs> nah, absolutely not. I don't even know one. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's great. You know, your guys is obviously your your choice of gear was cool. Uh, talent with the, with the mix down is awesome. So, here we are, a couple of weeks away, May twenty sixth. This is getting ready to be released. Uh, how long has this album actually been in the can for? How long has it been done for? Well, which part of it, the mix or the all of it? Is the, it really, like, I mean, which... obviously, it's it's printed. Right. So, yeah, it's been mastered for about a year now. Yeah. Shit. And you sat on it. You wanted to wait for the right timing. You wanted to wait for everything to kind of clear its way out. We wanted to have three music videos. Yeah. So there's another music video coming before the album comes out. Okay. It's a animated video um, that we, you know, sometimes you just ask people if they're going to do shit for you. Yeah. And you think they'll say no and they say yes yeah but uh sean and i got into sabaton this summer oh or past summer and so we saw that someone was doing their animated videos for nuclear blast or whoever's doing their their shit yeah and we messaged the guy and we were like uh maybe he's like fuck yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm flexible like let's do it so uh okay yeah it's just like heavy old school kind of eric mentioned like the vibe is kind of like old school heavy metal comic book feel um so we're we're stoked that'll come out in a few weeks. Yeah. So you got and and which song is that going to be for? Can you can you say yet? Yeah, impregnate my hate. Okay, right on title track right there. Yeah. So you've got three videos with three different formats, right? You've got kind of like the kind of live action backstage like dark element kind of a vibe there with Scorch Breath. You got the Scorpions of Sinai that has kind of like the lyric video vibe to it, and then you got the title track going kind of more for that graphic novel vibe to it. So so that's pretty awesome. Now that this is getting ready to come out, I know that there's been kind of a hiatus on shows and things like that, but everything's kind of opening back up now. So what is your guys' plan to support the launch of the album? Are you going to get back out there? You got stuff planned? What's going on there? So we're we're putting the album out. We're going to see what happens. Um, Sean and I, have, we haven't, we ever talked about this? No. 
we busk like the album outside of like Mariners games. We're probably gonna go play at the Kraken game, what? or the or the Kraken are gonna play a game at our gig outside the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that approach too. No, I think, <laughs> well, we haven't uh, we haven't set any dates, so I think we're looking for dates because we do want to do a um um we want to do a few sh- a couple shows uh with the full. Full, the full, but, yeah, yeah, the full Ideally, band. We'll play with yeah, yeah, but we're. I guess people will play a show at the CD release. I don't see. I would rather just like we'll release it, promote it, and then and then I think we'll book a, we'll book a couple shows. And is there a CD release show or event planned? That would be the first kind? show that we play since the release of the part. Well, in reality, it'd be the first show I've ever played with you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. No, I mean that's yeah the first show that yeah, yeah, yeah. we've all the four of us would have, would be would play. So. Okay, Steve, have you played a show with these guys yet? <clears throat> No, no, no. Okay. No, so, because you know, you guys were telling me as you as you arrived here today, you're just like, you know, it's just very rare that we're all in the same place at the same time. So, um, yeah, that's that's awesome. So right now, it sounds to me like you're you're going to release it and just kind of take it slow and see what happens and and plan things accordingly after that. Finding like a gig, like we like before our you know to, uh, our last show, like we we're catching every gig we can get, get you know, doing that whole thing i think at this point we've done it so long i think we could we want to like find like a situation that's best for the band and you know it's going to be we want to be able to you know choose who we play with that night not just be on some random billing with the ska band and uh (laughs) well the the setup for me has been i'm picky as hell anyways because oh you the sound oh yeah huh I, i want it to sound as good as you can possibly get it and that has a lot to do with the not only the room you're playing in, mm. uh, but the but who's running the sound, man? You know, do they know how to do it? And we've batted around that whole thing. You know, can it because it can make and break you? It's is it going to be a shitty bar show where the you know the sound person just doesn't give two shits about how you do it? You're in a hurry. I I mean I think this band really needs to represent themselves to the core, like. Holy shit! What did we just see there? Yeah. Like, not only they just put on a killer show, but the sound is just fucking there. Well, so then, Steve, what, where, for instance, what are some? I, you've played a million clubs in Seattle. You know, what are some places that are still around out there? I know a lot of them shut down during COVID, but you know, who who would represent? Who would represent the the sound? Well, there? I'll tell you right now, this guy plays more metal than we do out live now because of the Coven. Because the Coven, so, yeah, you know, he knows he's familiar. So he's familiar with a lot of the the places that are still around. Adam had mentioned uh, one place that you know uh, that's in Ballard, and um, I, I I played a show there with another. Not the band. Firehouse. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's what, still what, it's, it's what open. was what was Is that it? place? <laughs> Believe it or not, wow. what was that place you're talking about? Mm. The it was the down. The, yeah, I think the the one I wanted to do was the the yacht club, the Belltown Yacht Club. I remember, was, you know, actually, the, Cube, the original Cube is actually playing there now. So, yeah. But so you're talking. Yeah, I, I was talking about the one off Leary. What was it? Sun, right when you turn the corner, maybe or that's a substation. 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 Yeah, substation. Okay. Carlos mm-hmm. is doing sound there now. I've heard about Carlos, substation. which is a friend of his. So, well, so there's options out. Well, there. let me intervene on this real quick. Is that so with with Coven? What we what I noticed with the in that project is we actually hired a, uh, a sound engineer to follow us around. You know, it's a uh, he was a uh, the guy that sang and dumped back in the day. You guys remember that band and whatnot? You know, if you if no, it doesn't matter what venue you're playing at, it matters about what engineer you bring in to build a 
Right so, out, yeah. You know, somebody that knows your sound and so on and so forth. And we played some really fucking shitty dives. And, <laughs> you know, we come out to sound like fucking like magic just happened. Yeah. Nice. So it's it it's not about the venue you play in, it's about who's running your sound. And which He's the fifth or fourth member of the band, man. I mean, if we can yeah. have that person like that that will learn learn our stuff, you know, it's just the same as recording a record. So well, it sounds like though that you guys uh, you know, you got some plans and that's cool. Some shows are in the future. Here's here's my here's my bucket list. Hear me out. I would love to see a billing, right, with you guys. I, I mentioned Veriteris earlier because I've become a huge fan of Veriteris. You guys on the same yeah, bill would be rad. awesome. Cool. Uh, Coven, uh, you, you need to fucking call Colin and Tony and tell them to get that forced entry shit dude, fucking off the... <laughs> dude, I, I jam with Colin and Mystery Day. We do a, you guys, kind, of a kind of a yacht rock project. Yeah. I don't think Brad's coming back from uh no. Brad's Brad's, Brad's uh dope. Brad is uh, otherwise yeah. occupied for the next yeah, 15 he's, years. See somebody's friend. You know, <laughs> if you, if you get what I'm saying. I do know, I do know. <laughs> so yeah, they they were on a while ago and I, I definitely got the skinny on that. Um but yeah, so I mean that would be great. And and Dramora, I'm a big fan of Dramora. They're up there in the Everett area. They got some some pretty cool stuff. So um I, I guess which brings me to kind of um the the last part of this is, you know, obviously I do think that coming back out of COVID, I feel the Seattle metal scene has really kind of started to rise back up a little bit. I mean, I Steve, you and I go back a long way, and you know the the early to mid '90s for me is very very special time for Seattle metal, um, and I do feel that now things are are kind of starting to happen again. So I'd like to know how each of you guys feel about what's going on in the Seattle scene right now. Can I any on this? Yeah. Okay, so the Seattle scene, the thing that's actually shocking to me is places like the Central. Yeah. Okay, Central is not known for playing death metal, black metal, thrash metal, so on and so forth. The Central Saloon. The, uh, and, yeah. Right there, you know, yeah. the Pioneer. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I say that is because they're always, they always follow kind of the trend. You know, they were really big hit back to the grunge era, so on and so forth. Yeah, I was in but, a, I was in an alternative band back in the day, and we played a lot of shows at the Central. Yeah, you know, so, and now there's, I mean, because I, since Steve and I have been out of In Memoriam, it's like, you know, following the, the black metal circuit and, the, and so on and so forth. If you fall out of that out of that line, you you know, you got to find your way back into it. You know what I'm saying? It depends on if you if you focus on the bands that follow that whole line of line of that style of music. But being the central is actually playing that style of music. Oh, you know, it's very shocking. I mean, Coven's got, a, you know, a, a show date, that, which, you know, Coven hasn't played there probably since like 86. Oh, wow. You know, from what I from what I gather. But, you know, it's a lot of these uh, venues, you know, of course, you know, you got your, your staple. You got uh, El Corazon, El Corazon and, and uh, Fun House, which is attached to it. And then Club exactly. Store kind of down on their side there. Yeah. You know, so you got, you know, you got your staples that were guaranteed to play just about anything that comes about. Shit, you watch midget wrestling, wrestling, you know, so on and so forth. But um, but as when it comes to the music scene, you know, from from my perspective, it's it's still there. It's just, it's a different generation. Yeah. You know, and when it comes to different generation, it's, if you don't, if you don't stay in line with the the changes of, of the, the torch, you know, then you can fall back and be like, where'd it go? You know, but on a, on a, on a grand scheme of things, when it comes around to venues that are actually playing music that people are actually listening to being, you know, black metal, death metal, thrash metal, so on and so forth, it's actually coming back, but, and it's actually coming back to the venues you thought they would never play yeah you know so that that's my perspective but anybody just want to add to that yeah i mean i'm 
you know, Barhouse had a great thing going for a minute, and then they they kind of had to move their things. I think the people behind that are starting Hierophant Booking, which I'm excited to see. You know where they start playing, seeing some more shows booked at like Lucky Liquor and some more uh, outskirts bars. I I like that a lot. Those are some some of the more fun shows with you don't end up there by accident you, you're there with everyone else who wants to be there you know right on no uh, yeah i i would say i, I was yeah vera terrace uh and then uh i was surprised when i saw them like oh wow you know so there's been a couple um like really really good bands that i've seen that have been very very impressive um as far as like the scene i i, I haven't really i don't know i Maybe I'm just getting old or whatever. I don't really <laughs> keep up with it, but like I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, it's hard to tell in Seattle, you know, because you can't tell if you're playing in front of fifty other people in bands, or yeah, you know, that, or if you're playing in front of people that are just want like lose it to music. So that that's the other thing too is it just bores me. Most of the bands not sound like an asshole, but basically, <laughs> and I, I guess I am an asshole. Just to I'll say it right now, but. Most of the bands just bore me because everything just sounds the same to me. Yeah. You know, nothing's got to catch. Nothing's got to like, oh, my God. Like, you know, and then again, it for me, it's the sound. If the sound, I'm out. Like, you know how I am being a huge creator fan. I've been mm. a creator fan forever. And the first two times I saw him and you were you were there uh, at the Coma Souls tour in Bremerton. Yeah, that Natasha's fucking, that, with fucking Morgoth, man. Literally was like the record. You know, that's that's what blows my mind. How the how the hell do they get like that? You know, how's that sound come along? If even if the band is moderately okay, you know, musically, but their sound is killing, it's then I'm like, engineer. wow, they're fucking sound guy, man. You know, De- Derek ran the Deicide show, Derek Roddy, drummer, and he Morbid Angel and Nile and Deicide were on that bill. And I swear to God, it, that it was like the record. And, and that's the kind of stuff that impresses me is having a good sound. You know, how everything sounds really, really good. Even if it's in a shitty club, it still sounds re- really great, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't want to keep harping on the sound, but that, that's a huge that's a huge thing, man. It's a make or break kind of thing. It can make or break a band. But some of these bands just don't give a shit. And it's the way they're tuned, the way they got a hold, you know, their, how their stage sound is. I think all of the all of the buddy everybody in this band right here knows that dynamic level. I mean, that's why Sean's like how he is. That's why Adam's how he is. That's how he is. Yeah, it's the same thing, you know. Awesome. But do note that the North End—that's pretty much where the where Thrash is going to. Yeah. Why do you say that? You got Tony V's, of course. You got um, what's that place in Linwood? Oh, uh, Tap House. No, the vessel, the vessel, vessel. Okay, the vessel is a very controversial venue. If you've never been there, it's actually quite entertaining because they have two stages, you know, and they got like two bars. They got you know, arcade, so on and so forth. It's a very venue-oriented place, you know. But not trying to promote them, but I'm just kind of name off that sure. like a lot of a lot of thrash bands, a lot of metal bands are actually going towards the north end just because it's more forgiving. Yeah, you know, being promoters and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think, you know, I'm excited about the release of your album. I'm doubly excited because I already have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, by the way. It's amazing. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm really looking looking kind of forward to, to seeing what you guys do here in the future. So we've covered a lot of ground today. Is there anything else that, that, that I might have missed? Is there anything else that we need to 
plug or you want to make aware for your your fans out there in the world? Anything you guys want to say to the uh, greater masses? Pre-order the album on Bandcamp. We got merch pre-orders up. Help us out. Yeah, and uh, I assume you guys are on on all the social medias, the the book of faces, the Instagrams. Do you guys mm. have a Tweety Twatty account? Uh, I don't think. Uh, I don't know. If we do, we don't have access to it anymore. <laughs> yeah. okay. So that's W-H-Y-T-H-R-E if you're out there and you're spelling challenged, even if you're not spelling challenged. Good luck fucking spelling that name. Um, so look don't use him. corrective text. <laughs> Fuck you, iPhone. Um, so, yeah, that's that's great. So check them out on all the social media sites. Uh, make sure that you pre-order the album coming out May 26th on what's the name of your record label you're on right now? High Point Records, which is literally just the neighborhood okay. I live in. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, uh, High Point Records, the biggest label in Washington State. It's huge. It's yeah. absolutely huge. Yeah. Guys, make sure you check them out. Wither, Impregnate My Hate, May 26th. It's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for hanging out today uh, on Misery Point Radio. Honored to have you here in the studio. And uh, open door for you guys anytime you want to come back on. Thank you to uh, Sean, Adam, Eric, and Steve. Uh, appreciate you guys Yo. coming by, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so uh, thanks much. Thanks for having thanks, us. Thanks, man. Dude, so fucking rad. Make sure you follow Wither on all the socials and visit their website, wither.com. That's W-H-Y-T-H-R-E.com. And don't forget to follow Misery Point Radio as well. Like, share, spread the gospel. I appreciate all of your forced allegiance. Going to close this one out with one more track off their latest album, Impregnate My Hate, due out May 26, 2023. Here's Wither with Scorch Breath. Go pre-order that shit now. Oh,